Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by a winger, midfielder, maestro who once upon a time started his career at, at Tottenham um, and then was a bit of a journeyman, some highlights of his career playing playing at places like Peterborough, Leighton Orient, Southend, um, the mighty Luton Town amongst others and I'm sure we'll get to quite a few of the, the other ones as well as we go. Uh, today we are joined by Scott Houghton. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you, and uh, grateful to be invited onto the show. Excellent, excellent. Wow, we love having players from lots of other clubs. I know you play for Luton for a little bit, but we are really keen to hear about your time at all all these other clubs. Marv, how did you yeah. get hold of Scott? Good question. Um, I think on Twitter, it was on Twitter, uh, Scott was, I mean, we just spoke about it there briefly. It was only with the club for a year, but like, it just shows, I mean, it, I thought it was a lot longer than that because he was like a bubbly, like character who got on with everyone. And um, it was just great to see if we can get someone of his like caliber on, because like I said, um, he was very honest, very energetic, very hardworking, but well, I'm a top, top lad who, who fit in really, really well. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. We can't wait to hear some of the stories. So, um, what we're going to do is we are going to jump straight in and Scott's going to go through his best 11 players he's ever played with. Um, what As he goes through, he's going to give myself and Miles some guesses. So you at home, in the car, wherever you are, you can listen along and see if you can guess any of these players from a number of the clubs I've mentioned, or it might be some some from some, from some other ones. Obviously, been out to loan to a couple of other places as well. I'm going to hand straight over to you, Scott, and let us know what formation you're going for. And are you going old school or are you going to go a bit more nouveau, fancy, new way of doing things? Or do you think it's a load of rubbish and it all goes around in circles? Yeah, one thing I will say is when I spoke to Marsh initially about this, Marv, uh, that uh, how difficult it's been putting 11 down on paper, really tough. Um, what I'm going to do is I am going to go old school. I'm going to go 4-4-2. But with my wide players, are not going to be conventional wide players. Um, so, yeah, it's 4-4-2, um, bit old school. Um, but, yeah, it, on paper, it looks not a bad side. Awesome. You, you can give some honourable mentions as well if you're a little bit worried about like hurting people's feelings, all right? <laughs> you almost, you almost made it, Marv. <laughs> listen, listen. I don't. I say I, I, I rather not make it because I think sometimes it just makes it feels a little. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit awkward um, because I think I don't want people picking me or putting them in their team just because um, I've got them on the show, or whatever. Even yeah. though I know I was a great player. <laughs> you were, mate. You were. But no, it's, it's, it's been difficult. There's a lot of players left out who who, who, are, who are top, top players. But, um, you know, you can only go with um, with the 11 you've got. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, when you picked, obviously you picked players, we'll get into them in a sec. Did you and how, did you pick players based around fitting your 4-4-2 or did you go 4-4-2 once you wrote down your list of players you've ever played with? Which way around you go? Yeah, yeah it was more the latter. Um, because you, you're talking about is it the best 11 you've played with or is it the best 11 fitting in the team? Yeah. Uh, and I've gone with the former. So it's the best 11 I've played with and, and then work with a, a system uh, that, will, that will work around those 11. 
Awesome. Well, we'll get to a position. We'll start off with a position that's non-negotiable, unless you play in some sort of crazy formation. Um, so, goalkeeper, over to you. Yeah, so the, the biggest clue I can probably give you is I, I've known this, this lad for 37 years. And he's had the same barnet from the day I met him and has still got the same barnet now. Is I'm going to go for, is yeah. it? I reckon his barnet is a little bit like mine, those people watching YouTube. Is it? I reckon it might be. It's, it's not far. Yeah, I thought it was. Ended up playing at Leicester as well. Yeah. That's right. Is his dad a manager as well? He was indeed, yes. Very successful. Go on, Andrew. Mr. Ian it. Walker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Walks was uh, sensational. I mean, I must admit at this time, it, it was a battle uh, between uh, Ian and Jimmy Walker, who was also an excellent goalkeeper of the same name. But I've opted for Ian. I, I had several years at Spurs with with Ian and also within the England youth ranks for for many years, and and he was a, a top top goalie. Yeah, what what made him different? I mean, other ones I've got written down here, and people, even people like Mike Salmon, Craig Tors Forrest, Dorset. Um, what what made him different, or is it also a bit of a a, a bit of a personal connection as well? Coming up through the ranks with him. Yeah, and I think that's it. But also around your dressing room, you've got to have. I think you've got to have a lot of characters. And Walks was certainly a character. I mean, he was one of those that, you know, you could do shooting practice for an hour and for 50 minutes, nobody would score a goal. And then he'd let one in and then his world would fall apart and the toys would well and truly, truly come out of the pram and there'd be balls flying around the training ground. And, you know, he just had that, um, you know, he really wanted to go through the whole session without conceding a goal. Uh, I think most goalkeepers um, have a little bit missing. Um, because they all seem to be that way inclined. But um, Walks, for me, out of all those that I've played with, and, and you've mentioned a few, uh, really, really good goalkeepers, but just add that that little bit extra. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he came through in that 90s era when there was maybe a little bit of that. Do you remember the Liverpool FA Cup wearing the Armani white? So he was kind of all that, that ilk. He had a bit of that reputation, do you know what I mean? Those McManaman and Jameses where the Spice Boys, all that type of thing. He had a bit of that rep. Is that something that you think was fair for him? And did he ever kind of did he ever kind of do do much of that? Or was that a bit of an unfair reputation he kind of got in the press? No, I mean Walks is a quiet lad, actually, when you get to know him. He's a really quiet, unassuming um character that, you know, would do anything for anybody. So, you know, a lot of it was uh, was a little bit of unfair against him but knowing the type of character he is it, it would have been you know water off a, off of a duck's back I mean, I do have, I'd like to share a, quite a funny story with you if I may that when Walt yeah. signed his first pro contract at Spurs he went out and bought himself a, a decent motor and a new set of golf clubs and then turned up to the digs and another lad who used to live in our digs hung dang took him out for a game of golf but he did say to Hung I've just bought a car and, and some golf clubs and I can't afford to put any petrol in my car can you lend me 20 quid <laughs> so Hung lend you 20 quid and we got together probably about five years ago and Hung told the story and he said actually you've still never paid me that 20 quid <laughs> <laughs> so Walks got his money out and paid Hung after 25 years but it's uh, you know the type of character he is that you know he's just happy-go-lucky and uh Pleasure to share the dressing room with him for many years. 
Beautiful. Fantastic. Go on in. What motor did he buy with his first paycheck? Do you remember? I've got, I think it was a Mercedes of some sort. And he put a personal plate on it. Yeah. And a personal plate. Black Mercedes. I'm pretty sure he got rid of his Renault 5 and bought his Mercedes. And I remember it being like part registration save. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, he he certainly went for it. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say something like um, a a Ford Fiesta or, you know what I mean? A Mercedes, yet he can't put petrol in it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think, in fairness, I don't think it was a brand spanking new one, Marv. But it obviously oh, okay. cost him enough that he couldn't, um, right. he couldn't fill it. Oh, that's brilliant. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, we've got Ian Walker in goal. Um, right or left back, which one do you want to go yeah. with? So, I'm going to go for left back. Um, I'll probably want Marv to keep quiet on this because he probably will know through our conversations who it will be. But th- this is a lad that I played with at the back end of his career, but he was still absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's a European Cup and Super Cup winner. Andrew's, Andrew's young, Scott. He, 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 I don't, <laughs> he, he is. He I, I don't think he would even like contemplate or ever seen any or heard of this guy. Oh, God. What? So he played at Forest, but it was just... I. That's what I've got to try and think oh, of. Was it a no, forest? So a villain. No. Yeah, you're on the right track. No, nah, I'm out then. Go on. <laughs> Colin Gibson. Absolutely. What a player and what a lad. Man United, Leicester, Villa. And, and where was he? Where was you with him? Walsall. Walsall. So, yeah, we, jo- we, we joined at similar times in the 94-95 season. That's where I went. Um, from Luton and we ended up getting promoted that season but um, absolute phenomenal player really good influence in the dressing room quite sad that he's uh, recently been diagnosed with dementia which we are finding uh, certainly a lot of the players from from that era and beyond um, are struggling with but I still keep in touch with him Uh, a fantastic lad and and I don't think there was any time um, you know, during the day of a training session that he wouldn't mention that uh, he actually had a, a European Cup winner uh, <laughs> in his office. <laughs> I mean, you prefer playing on the left, didn't you, Scott? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it was, and, and it's a, a psychological thing, but you know, I played a lot of my career on the right-hand side, but was never very comfortable playing there. Um, so I preferred to play on the left. I'd like to think of myself as being a, two, a naturally two-footed player. So, I, you know, I could go both ways. But I, I just felt far more comfortable um, playing on the left-hand side. Yeah. And going back to the, I mean, I'm sure you'll, you'll mention it later on, your youth days. What, I mean, what, why, why Tottenham? Was, oh, was there a few clubs who were, like, growing up? I mean, when you was coming through the ranks, I don't know if you was playing locally for the district or I don't know. I mean, how did that come about? Yes, I mean, I played for my local club, Biggleswade, as a centre-forward, as a youngster. And um, I got picked up. Trevor Hartley picked me up first. His lad, was, who's the same age as me, was playing for Amptill. Um, so Trevor invited me along to um, Luton and we tra- trained in a car park at the back of the ground. Trevor and John that's used it. to take the training. Probably you will remember them, Marv. That, 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 was, that was a norm, Scott. That was a norm for me. The car park. Yeah. On a Wednesday evening, it was, to start off with. 
Yeah, so it was so it was the same, and then I obviously went along at the same time to Arsenal, uh, and I was at Arsenal at the same time, so trained at both clubs. And actually, the, the reason I went to, to Spurs was David Pleat. Pleat had phoned my mum on the morning that he went to Spurs and said, "I'd like to, I'd like to take Scotty um, along to Spurs with me because obviously he'd taken a, an interest in my career ever since I was, you know, was eleven, um, and we met up with him and." Um, yeah, made the decision that we were going to make the switch across oh. across North London. So Arsenal were going to offer something with they? or did they? Yes, yes. So I mean, it was it was a thing at the moment that um, you know they were they were quoting pro contracts and and and, and a, a bit of a financial incentive as well. So so yeah, it was it was quite nice to be wanted at um, at that time. Yeah, our interest. Are you coming through the youth ranks? Does it? I know you mentioned David Pleat. Does it make a huge amount of difference for you as a young player thinking George Graham, David Pleat? Does it does it make a huge difference thinking the type of football that's instilled at the club? Or in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I've got a few years still on first team. They'll probably be gone by then, with the greatest respect. Yeah, I mean, I must admit at that time it did. I mean, obviously, Pleat, you've taken a, a real interest in my career ever since I was a youngster and was in regular contact with my mum and dad and I think that's the type of person he was and, yeah. and I've listened to his podcast and that comes through quite clear whereas I think at the time it may have been either Don Howe like say George Graham and I know for a fact I wasn't Don Howe's cup of tea because I wasn't pretend, I wasn't defensively gifted by any means um, and I know Don Howe w- would favour defence over attack so I, I don't think if I'd have signed for Arsenal and Don Howe would have been the manager I probably never would have got anywhere near the first team um, so yeah I saw the opportunity that actually if you've got somebody who and it doesn't matter whether you're a youngster or, or an experienced pro if you've got a manager who believes in you you're halfway there yeah yeah uh, obviously being a hitching boy yourself born around there and growing up in Hertfordshire and you mentioned Biggleswade which of the two did you go for which did you support one of them as a club as a kid in terms, well, in terms of the local clubs, yeah, no, you go for local clubs. And a lot of people so, from around that area, Stevenage, go for the Arsenal because it's straight on the train line. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be controversial. I mean, I was Manchester United as a kid, always Manchester United mad. Um, but I, I used to go and watch Luton quite a bit as a as a youngster. Get you know, get taken along there, saw some some good games there. But yeah, I was a was a Manchester United fan. And I was very lucky enough, and I say lucky enough because sometimes you have to pinch yourself. And I, I made my league debut for Spurs against Manchester United. And from about 12 years old, Brian Robson had been my hero. I used to buy New Balance boots because Brian Robson wore them, you know, and everything was Brian Robson. And I found myself on the same pitch as him. And I didn't know after the game whether to run up, shake his hand, give him a cuddle and ask for his autograph. It was just really weird. How <laughs> did the game, what was the score? How did the game go? <laughs> No, we lost 2-1 and I've got a feeling that Brian Robson actually scored the winner. So, um, yeah, what, what, you know, what a legend and what a player he was. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, the reason why I just get back to Colin Gibson quickly, the reason why I mentioned him was coming to the end of his career, you're obviously the left-hand side. Is there different expectations playing in front of a left-back who's a bit more of a whippet, somebody who's willing to get forward compared to somebody who's coming towards the end of their career and maybe a bit more of a steady eddy? He was perfect for me. I was still a youngster, you know, 23, still learning the game. Um, and as Marv says, you know, I was full of energy. And um, Gibbo was good for me because he would just literally get the ball, give me the ball, stay defensively. 
um, and allow me just to get on with it. Um, and also, no one or two games, if things weren't going right, you know, had the, had the nous about him to put his arm around me and say, look, next couple of times you get the ball, just knock it off nice and easy, get a feel for getting back in the game and then you'll be back on it again. So, so sort of the year or so I had with Gibbo, he was a massive influence on my career. Yeah. Nah, sounds it, sounds it. Um, also, well, we're going to go right back. Uh, we're going to keep going. So who have you got on the right? Yes, that's another, um, I say, older player, um, brilliant defender. Unfortunately, in 1986, he didn't manage to stop Maradona scoring one of the um, greatest goals on the World Cup stage. Um, but genuinely, a, a, a super guy made hundreds of appearances for, for you know, three or four clubs and, and a top defender. Right back, Maradona. Did he, did he, did he also play centre-back or not? Yeah, yeah. That's where I was confused, me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think he played centre-back a lot. Um, I'm just going to say it. Terry Fennick. Yep, spot on. Well done. I didn't know. I, I mean, I've, I didn't have him as right back for England. Yeah, yeah. The majority of my, uh, or the majority of his career, I think he did play as a, as a centre back. But certainly, yeah, when right. I was uh, in the first team squad at um, Spurs, he, he was he was right. He was playing right back. But he was just, you know, when you talk about defensive players, you know, he was a terrific defender. Absolutely, first and foremost, a really, really good defender. And certainly when I've looked at, at my team, you know, Gibbo was a little bit more marauding fullback, whereas Fenn would certainly be more of a defender. So as well, looking at a little bit of the team, you know, the foil of your fullbacks, um, yeah, Fenn's in there at right back. Also, you know, he weren't the biggest, but I'll tell you what, he was phenomenal in the air. You know, it's maybe right. five eleven or six foot, but there weren't many people who beat him in the air. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to ask that in terms of. So I know it's a big in thing at the moment. The marauding, the fullbacks seem to be going for as much money as strikers um, or attacking midfielders at the moment. Colin Gibson, Terry Fennick, who would they be most like today in the Premier League for some of our younger listeners? Oh, that is a that is a real different, you know, a difficult I one to answer. I mean, I I would say oh. that. Gib- yeah, I mean, I mean Gibbo in, in his day would have been, you know, like any marauding left wing back in, in the Premiership at the moment. Yeah. Um, whereas, so you're talking Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, those type yeah. of. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Whereas I would probably struggle to um, put Fenn in that. I mean, if you looked at that, Fenn would probably slide in as a right side centre back in today's game. Yeah. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. Definitely. So is he? Is it? Was he a bit fast then? Was he a bit more like? You know, Carl Walker can do a bit of both. Or are we talking even Matt Doherty at Tottenham, who can play a little bit right back, a little bit centre back, or Eric Dyer? Doc you know, could answer it better because obviously he played with him. I don't think he was explosive like that. He was. I mean, he was. He wasn't slow, but he wasn't lightning quick. If that makes sense, but it's probably like um, his, his his reading of the game was probably the the best. Um, asset for him. Yeah, right. No, spot on, Marv. You've got that. He would make up two yards of pace with his brain, no problem. As all, That's why he played for England. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, it is because you don't need the pace all the time. You, If you can outthink the person, you don't need to worry about the pace. Yeah, no, I agree with that. 
Nah, awesome. So, centre-backs, either way, whichever side you want to go. Right, so I'm going to go with left-side centre-back. Um, and really, the biggest thing I can say, the biggest clue that you'll get him straight away is Captain Courageous. For which club? Oh, Tottenham. Oh, there you go. Tottenham? So, I'll tell you, he's also got a UEFA Cup winner's medal. UEFA Cup. Yeah, I only found out actually when I was when I was doing a bit of research because I didn't realise his his career spanned that long. Okay, did he? Oh my gosh, did he play for? Under the obvious, Gary Mallon. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I was surprised actually that um, he was a part of the um, '84 yeah um, UEFA Cup team. So his career spanned, you know, even further than right. I thought it had done over. Over 750 appearances, but what what a man, what a player, what a captain. 750? I, mean, I didn't realise it was happening. I'm real. I mean, did he? I mean, he, he seems weird. I mean, I played against him I mean, quite a few times, but he just looked like one of those players. I did, I've never, I didn't never saw him get angry or lose his temper. It's weird. <laughs> and then he's a centre-back. <laughs> yeah, no, do you know what? I, I, the biggest compliment I could give him is he is the most gentlemanly-like player out of the hundreds and hundreds that I've played with. You know, he is the biggest gentleman out of the lot. You know, absolutely impeccable on and off the, off the pitch. Um, and actually a real leader and... What I don't know what the right word would be, but you know, if right. you're looking at somebody who you want to look up to for the young generation or what have you, that is that is Gary Mabber. You know, even back in the the nineties, with all the cultures around the nineties, you know, Mabber was the the most professional of the professional. Not only that, he was a he was a diabetic as well, wasn't he? Playing, yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he he achieved what he achieved, you know, against the odds. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Did not know that at all. Yeah. So you coming through? What advice? What's the what's the nugget of information you remember about that Gary Mabbott maybe gave you as you were coming through as a youngster at Tottenham? Did he give you one yeah. one thing that stayed with you? He did, and and unfortunately, I never really took much notice of him. I wish I had. Um, <laughs> what he used to say to me, Scotty, you can't be a you know, a nine out of ten one game, and then a two out of ten the next. You've you've got to be consistent. The minute you get, you know, sevens and eights on a regular basis, you'll be playing in this first team every week. But if you remain at a nine and a two, you're never going, you know, be anything other than a squad player at best. And he was spot on. And it was probably later on in my career when when actually that hit home and I thought, Do you know what? If only I'd have been like that, as opposed to real up and down that would have made a huge difference to my career. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he took that personally that you didn't listen. I, don't, I mean, I, I, <laughs> like I said, I've, I mean, many players have been probably trying to speak and I think you know what, listen, in the nicest way, the sort of character you are, you, you was, it's just like, you were just, I mean, I can't explain it. I mean, you, you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but he wasn't listening. He, he knew he wasn't listening because he was just, just so hit up sometimes, you know what I mean? And so like feisty, like, all right, all right, all right, all right, sort of thing. So I don't think he took it personally. I never. No, I think you're spot on, Mark. <laughs> um, are you? You also um, you mentioned your England time. What um, playing a little bit for England? How did that come about? Yes, yeah, so I went to the FA National School at 14, uh, up to Lillyshaw, and had two years there. 
um, and then played pretty much in England youth sides right from under 15 up to under 20 level. Finished off playing in the World Youth Cup in Portugal in 1991. Unfortunately, that didn't transition into a into an under 21 cap, which was a was a real shame. But yeah, I had a, a really good maybe six or seven years representing my country at youth level. So that that was a, a marvelous experience. What was that like? So obviously, you probably came through because the age groups with the same batch of players, I assume, where there's a few ins and outs, but the same the same group of players coming through was did was that nice to see everybody grow and some of them kick on but sad to see some of them fall by the wayside as well yeah it is that I mean we, we were fortunate our group played in the Euros in 90 in Hungary and then the World Cup in 91 in Portugal and a lot of us certainly from around under 17s up to under 20s most of the squad remains the same, like you say, with with a few additions here and there. But it's really good to see that some have gone on to to have outstanding careers. You know, some have been steady, and then some have just fallen away to, by the wayside because you just can't tell. You know, you don't, you right. just don't know what's what's around the corner. But I mean, I would probably while we're t- talking about youth team, you know, my youth team of nineteen ninety at Tottenham won the quadruple FA Youth Cup, Southern Junior Floodlit Cup. Southeast Counties Cup and the Division One, and there were some really good teams at that time. We had an absolute phenomenal team, and probably if you ask me who's the best, what is the best ever team I played in, it was that because we were unbeatable and felt unbeatable, um, and, and that was a brilliant two years of, of my career playing in that uh, really successful youth team. Who, who, who would be some of those players, Scott? Who? We're in that youth team with you who we might know. I mean, Andrew's a little bit young probably, but who I would might might know. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, Walks played in goal. We had Dave Tuttle, Ian Hendon, yeah. um, myself, who were, were England regulars. Then we had um, Neil Smith, who, who's just left Bromley, was manager at Bromley a short while ago. Um, and then uh, Warren Hackett, uh, who, who had a little bit of a career. So, you know, we, we had a, a team there of... of of youngsters who just had the the most will to win I've ever seen in a team. Just, you know, even if we drew a game, it, it was demoralising for us. You know, the will to win was just unbelievable. Awesome. So, next to Gary Mabbott. Right, so he says another um, big name. I'm sorry, Andrew, he's another big name from the olden days, but um, famous for his tash and another... Um, European um, trophy winner. Yes. Good handlebar handlebar moustache. Yes. I wasn't sure if you had him at centre-back or central defence or kind of that holding midfielder because he could do both, couldn't he? Go on. I don't know. Oh, are we talking about John Walk? No. 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 Are we talking about someone who had a good career at Everton? Yeah, you're on it, Marv. I'm on it. I'm on it. Go on, Marvin. <laughs> Derek Mountfield. <sighs> yes, big Derek. Um, he, 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 the first day he came into the dressing room, he still had the moustache from the 80s, more <laughs> like Magnum than uh, anything else. But again, another player who I played with late on in his career, but you could tell his presence um, and, and his professionalism. Um, you know, in his heyday, he would have been, you know, Summit else, certainly playing for, for Everton at a time when they were the top team in the country. But, you know, a, a rock in both boxes, whether it be our box, defending corners, free kicks, 
or in the opposing box, you know, real danger. But, um, you know, ju- just a, a top, a top, top defender and, and certainly him and, and Mabs together, I think that, you know, they would they would take some beating. What year was you born? You played with some, like, some, like players like who? 71 I was born. 71, honestly, I thought he was a lot younger than that. Wow. There you go. There you go. There's some great names coming out here. You did play with John Walk, didn't you? Do you know what? I think when I was at Ipswich, Walkie was training with us, but I think he was still at Liverpool. Um, I mean, I must admit, I had had a fantastic two months at Ipswich under John Lyle. Um, And Walkie was training with us. And I think as I left at the back end of uh, the 1991 season, Walkie signed for Ipswich. Uh, again, at the back end of the year. But again, you know, what a player and, and what a professional yeah. he was. Yeah. I mean, you had quite a few loan spells in and out of clubs. How did you, how did you find that as a, as a player and trying to... Um, obviously, Marv mentioned his character and you can see it coming through right now, the friendly character, that type of thing. But how did you find it, him getting on with teammates and settling in? And Yeah, I mean, any change is, is always difficult. But the way I, I looked at it was everybody wants to play first-team football, you know. And certainly in my younger days, the first time I went on loan to Ipswich, you know, I was like a pig in the proverbial because I'm then, you know, playing in front of eleven or 15,000 people instead of one man and his dog in a reserve game. And, um, you know, it really gave me a taste that this is something I really want. Um, and then uh, the year after that, I was in, you know, in the first team squad. And then I had a few injuries. So the 93 season where I went on loan to uh, Charlton, Gillingham and Cambridge, I was in and out of injuries and they were tougher spells for me. Um, but again, you know, you just settle in because because play, players are players and it don't matter what club you're playing for. Everybody wants to be playing and, and everybody wants to to do the best they, they possibly can. And if they think they're going to make, you're going to make a difference, they'll make you at home. If they don't, then they'll, they'll completely cast you aside and you'll know you're not welcome. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause it there and then we come back from a short break and we will hear the rest of Scott Houghton's My Best Eleven. Welcome back to the second part of Scott Houghton's My Best Eleven. So far, Ian Walker, Colin Gibson, Terry Fennick, Gary Mabbott and Derek Mountfield. We're going to hand straight over to Marv for Marv's 60 seconds. Okay, Scott. Favourite other sport? Cricket. VAR or no VAR? VAR. Pele or Maradona? Maradona. Bundesliga? La Liga or Syria for quality? I would suggest La Liga. Okay. Golden goal or penalty shootout? Oh, penalty shootout. Best ground you played at? Wembley. If you wasn't a footballer, what would you have done? <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer that one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I pro- Do you know what? I probably would have joined the army. Just okay. something to give me, or the, or the police to, to give me some discipline, Marv. Because as you All well right. know, I didn't have a lot of that. <laughs> Favourite, and he's been around as well, this one, and I've seen him. Favourite holiday destination? This could be anywhere around the world. Yeah, I've got to say Mauritius. I've just recently been there and it's amazing. 
Mauritius, okay. One more, Marvin. All right, let's go for the worst dressed player, and you can remember. In your Tottenham day, it might, have been, might, might have been you. It might be you, Bob. Is it? It, it could have been. It could have been me. I mean, listen, I didn't really, and, and, and I still get stick now. I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, I used to wear yeah. some, like outrageous clothes, but I was confident in my own like um, stuff. What I was wearing, buoyant character. Now I wouldn't say. Do you know what? That's a tough one. I honestly can't remember. I think everybody liked to hold hold up a bit of uh, a bit of style. So I'm, I'm gonna yeah. have to hold off that one. All right. Awesome. Um. So you mentioned um, in terms of quality and things like that when Marvel's talking about La Liga and, and that type of thing. Coming through in the 90s, if you would have had an opportunity to go abroad, which one do you think would have suited you better, La Liga or Serie A? Yeah, it's difficult. You know, a real difficult one because at various times, certainly when I was, was in the 90s, you would have to suggest that maybe the Italian league was, was the more dominant of the two. Mm. But certainly I think over the last... 15 or so years, uh, you know, with Ronaldo at Real and Messi at Barcelona, it, it will be hard to argue that, you know, for the last 20 years, other than the Premier League, that, that there's anything that tops the, the, the Spanish. The yeah, Spanish which, but which one would have suited your, your game style better? If you could have transferred to one or the other, got the same money, take out the fact that one's more beautiful than the other, whatever, but which one do you reckon would have suited your style? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure any would because they're both fairly slow uh, and pretty much whenever I got the ball, I wanted to be 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so I'm not sure that either of them, uh, either of them leagues would have, would have suited me down to the ground. No, you know, there's, there's an element of truth to that probably. They say that about the Premier League. That's why English teams in, in Europe sometimes struggle because they got to realise they can't do everything at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, I think probably, that, I mean, I, Coming to me, when, when, and Andrew asked that question, coming to my head was probably, I was going to say Spain, because of, um, who was that winger who Arsenal had? A little tiny one, Dutch guy, I can't remember his name. He was Overmars. That's it, that's it. He, he, so, that, I mean, all right, I'm giving you a big up there, saying like Overmars, but I mean, he was very quick, similar, similar. Short, little, like, and fast. So that, that suited his game. Was that Barcelona, was it? Did you go Barcelona? Yeah, Arsenal to Barca, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, excellent. I'm just, I'm always intrigued by those type of kind of putting yourself in that situation. Um, just going to ask you as well, you you speak about, um, obviously now what you're doing, a bit of um, police work, that type of thing, but being part of a team, uh, um, you were voted in the PFA Team of the Year. Is that right? When you were um, at Peterborough? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was nine, maybe 97, something around 97, that 98. I'm just intrigued by, as a player, um, that season, was that a bigger honour than, say, when you went up in promotions or got to cup finals, that type of thing? Which one did you see as a bigger honour, as a, the team or the individual? Or I know you might give a political answer, but always worth a go. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you the absolute truth. I mean, the biggest achievement was clearly winning promotion with Walsall because that is the, the pinnacle um, it is about teamwork and I'm not belittling anything. Um, and the fact I got in the 97 team of the year, I was slightly embarrassed because I spent a lot of my career in the lower leagues and under, there's no two ways about it. I underachieved in my, my football career by, by a long way. So, you know, to, to make a team of, of the year in 97, and that's no disservice to anybody else who, who made that team, but 
if I'd have had a better attitude and a better work ethic um, and more professionalism, then I probably wouldn't have made the team of the year, but probably would have been playing a, you know, playing in a lower level Premier League team or or a Championship club. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So you, do you? Go on, sorry, go, Andrew. No, I was just you, saying. You should... Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, no, you go. You go. You go. You go. I'll sit back. Go on, Mark. No, you go. You go. Do you look back now? Yeah. And <laughs> do you look? Do you look back now with? With regret or happiness on your career then, after you just said that? Yeah, there's a little bit of both, you know, that I can turn around and say that, you know, I was a professional footballer for, you know, however many years, 15 years or what have you. And, and it's every boy and girl's dream now to become a, a professional footballer. So I was lucky in that. But, you know, I was given um, a lot of, of ability and pace um, and I never fulfilled it. And that was purely because of attitude. And I always say to kids now, one of the most important things is you've got to have a good attitude. You've got to be fully committed um, and you can't go around things, you know, half-hearted. So, yeah, there is, you, you've got to have that. And, and, and I know you love a story on here and Marv may remember this day, but the first year I played at Luton, things didn't, didn't go particularly well. They started off quite well, but disintegrated fairly quickly. So at the end of the season of the 93, 94, I spent the whole of the six weeks at Henlow Grange in the gym. Thankfully, Stephen Purdy had allowed me to use the gym there. So every day without fail, I was in the gym and I got myself in the shape of my life. And, and I was right, this is going to be my year now. I've had not a particularly good year after leaving Spurs and going to Luton, but this is going to be it. I won every single pre-season race at Luton. That was very unlike me because I'd always be at the back with a big cigar on, but realised that that's, this has got to change. So I went back pre-season in the shape of my life, really were, you know, re really looking forward to it. And then come, you know, the first training session and there's a 23-man squad and Cleety picks 22 players. And I'm the one player left out. And I was absolutely demoralised. I emptied two bags of balls out Booted, to, booted them to every single corner of the training ground, went in my car and drove home. John bore funny later on in the evening. And I said to him, John, I've spent the entire summer training to get my head right for this season. I'm clearly not in Pleaty's fans. I'm not coming back. <laughs> That's just, you know what, I find that really interesting because you say that, yeah, he followed your career. Did that surprise you even more then? Because you thought you were a Pleaty kind of, kind of player. I think I just undone all that in in that first season, the inconsistency uh, and attitude again. Um, you know, I, I let myself down, you know, quite badly with my unprofessionalism, uh, and I think he probably had made his mind up that yeah. you know this is somebody I don't really want um, in the dressing room. So it was it was probably a bit too late for me. So the work I put in was was probably too late. Yeah, I mean, Marv, you may not remember that exact moment, but if you do. <laughs> What would the other 22 players be thinking or at that moment if that happened? I mean, I think like Scott's like alluded to that his, his attitude like probably was like not quite there as a youngster as he was coming through the ranks and um, trying to find his way in the game. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, particularly remember um, him like, 
coming back and saying that he'd spoke about that he's been in. I mean, that's something he's probably might, might have kept to himself. But I do remember like the outburst, and it's probably something which you know he had a quite quite a bit if he's being totally honest. And so, like he says, probably with Pelé, he probably had already like made his mind up, you know, because obviously, yeah. I mean, even though people can change, and he did change, and he went like he said to the gym every day. It's probably already ingrained in Pelé's brain that you know that he had already made his decision that. He wasn't going to be part of part of his um, his squad. Yeah, oh, it's just interesting to hear it from both. I know it's not. We're not talking to completely the person. You probably want to ask that question too. Um, but it's always quite intriguing from a, another player in the squad's perspective of kind of well, go on, on your way, um, or, or kind of how. And you probably had it from the other side, Scott, as well. When you later on in your career, when you're at Peterborough, Walsall, those type of clubs may not have seen that exact situation, but you've also been on the other side of the coin and trying to give some of those young players who some a bit of advice. Absolutely. I mean, and, and there is Sorry, one thing, I, mean, I spoke to, to Marv a while ago, and, and it's on my to-do list that, you know, actually I'd like to pick up the phone and speak to Pleat and just apologise. You know, I let him down, you know, he put a lot of trust in me um, and I let him down and, and I know that, he knows that, and I would like to offer an apology um, you know, for for that. Now I'm a little bit older, wiser, a little bit more <laughs> grown up, and you realise where you went wrong in your younger, wilder days. <laughs> and, oh, I, and I spoke, yeah. and I've spoken to him, and he says that's fine. I mean, I did say to you. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, uh, but he, I mean, he he thought it was um, something else. I mean. I mean, as as we get as we get a little bit older, he thought, oh, I go, he just wants to like like, is it okay to give your number out, Gaffer? He goes, yeah, yeah, he can give my number out. He goes, he was a little bugger him, yeah, he, you know, he, <laughs> he he was he, he was a little he was a little bit he, he, he didn't really swear. I don't remember him swearing that much. He was he used, he used these certain words. He goes, yeah, he was a little bugger him. He was he was very naughty at times, Marvin. Yeah, very naughty. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. We can no, do you, that should the, you, you should put the phone up. I'm sorry, you should put the phone up to him because I mean, I, every now and then, I know I I speak to him. Um, Johnny Hartson speaks to him, and I, and I think he'll appreciate that. He, he loves yeah. having chats and talk about um, the old days. So you should do that. No, I will do. Excellent, excellent. Well, we're going to keep going with your best eleven midfield. Where would you like to go, Scott? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the left. Uh, and yep. I only ever played one game with this with this lad at um, international youth level. But the, the biggest clue I can give is he's a two-time Champions League um, winner. Two-time? <laughs> you got it, Andrew? I reckon, me, there's, a little, me, I reckon give, there's a little trick in here. Give me the give me give me give me the club, Andrew. Give me the club, but he might have played. I'm just you, checking. Is there a trick when you said international level? So it's not full international, obviously, because I was not a full international, but I did play with him at international youth level. <sighs> no, no not what I think it is. Well, what club do you think he was at, Andrew? United. No. No, I wasn't sure if you go and Ryan Giggs because he played for England as a youth kid. That's no. where I was going. I'm going to throw in someone who... Champions League winner twice. Yeah, yep. who was not... not it was, I don't know how old he was, though. Was he, was he your age? I'm going to throw in, did he win one, was it Real Madrid? Yeah. Come on, Marv. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Think about it, Marv. Think about it. Did he play for a team also in England, Red? He did indeed. Well done, Marv. Good Steve work, Marvin. Yes. 
Yes, yes. Man, man. That's a great pull-out, Mob. That is. I'm... Very, very, very underrated. Oh, God. Unbelievable. An Unbelievable. Englishman in the wrong nationality shirt, almost. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. If he'd have been Spanish, it, you know, he'd have been talked about in the same breath as Iniesta and, and those kind of yeah. players. I mean, Maka came fairly late. I think it was under 19 towards under 20 when Maka came into the squad. But if I remember rightly, he may well have jumped our squad straight into the um, under 21s before he'd even played for Liverpool. But, you know, just in or around the training ground, even then, you know, I was lucky enough to train on a daily basis with, with Gaza, who, who was on a completely different level to anybody else. But I would put, you know, McManaman, um, you know, the couple of training camps I went with him, to, to be in the same level as as Gaza, just that little bit more than your your, your standard um, of of decent level top players. Yeah, and it was almost a shame that McManaman had around that era managers who didn't until it got to Venables didn't really know what to do with him. He's the type of player who, who you could build a team around. You know, you'd build a team around him as opposed to making him fit into a team who, he, you know, he was that good. Yeah. Obviously, I never played with him at club level and, and at under 19, he was still growing. But you could tell he was just on a different different level to everybody else. Sensational. And so he played, so he played on the left-hand side when you were playing in, were you in and out of the squad interchanging yeah, no, with so, him or were you on the right? Uh, so, um, unfortunately, when I played for England youth, nine times out of ten, I was playing on the right-hand side. Yeah. And, and I never, nobody really got the best out of me playing wide right. But for, for six years, I, I played for England as a, as a number seven wide right. Even though it wasn't your fave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> frustrating. Very, very it frustrating. Yes. Um, so we'll you're go just grateful, the... grateful to be in the squad. That was the main thing. Oh, to pull on that three lines. Yeah. We'll go right hand side. Right. So this is my only Luton player in the squad. Again, somebody who was most renowned for being a centre-forward. But certainly when I played with him at, at Spurs, there's another clue. He mostly played either on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. But I'm going to put him in wide right. Is it, is it like, was he... Play with him at Spurs. Spurs? He was at Spurs before Luton, wasn't he? No, I think it's the other way no, around. No, the other way around. Didn't he used to play? Did he play for the red, a red team? He did indeed. Yeah. Go on, Andrew. Paul Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. done. I was yeah. thinking about, I think because of the age, I was thinking about the other Paul, Ollie. Paul Allen. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it was a, a really close run between those two. Mm. But I mean, Walsh, he was just explosive, absolutely explosive. When he got on the ball, something was going to happen. There was no, you know, no two ways about it. And I think, again, a really, really underrated player. Super touch, really quick, not the biggest, but really good in the air. I just don't think he got the credit he deserved. Nah, they were basically that whole Luton team, didn't for the 80s? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Until they, no, no, unless no. they left to go to pastures new, then they got the credit they deserved, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because you, so you play with him, obviously, um, while he was at Tottenham. But when he was playing more, you put him on the right-hand side. Is that where you think his best position is? Um, or when you play with no. him, that was his best position? Rather than, obviously, I mean, if it, he was a bit more forward. 
Yeah, if he played in today's game, he'd be a number 10 and he'd be a very good number 10, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, just playing off the nine. Um, I would suggest that, you know, when I played with him, he did play predominantly on the left-hand side because we had, um, you know, front two of Lineker and Jury. Um, and Walsh, he just couldn't shift them to. But um, no, he played on the left. But I think for my team, if I didn't put Steve McManaman in there, it would be a bit of an injustice. So I've had to shove Walsh on the other side. So a uh, bit like me, he didn't like playing on the right, but that's where he is for, for, today's, <laughs> for today's session. Excellent. Excellent. And little plug for those people who haven't listened to the Paul Walsh podcast, um, which we did with them a few seasons ago. When he asked the question, same as you, when we said to Paul, remember this one, Marv, when we said, Paul, what would you do if you um, if you weren't a professional footballer? Remember what his remark was? It was funny. I can't remember. And he goes, if it wasn't a professional footballer, I'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and he, took, he took this about the same amount of time as you and then went, I'd be buggered. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> um Excellent. So we're going mid central midfielder. Are you playing a holder and a number kind of number ten, I suppose, or what are you playing? No, I'm going to go with um, with two players alongside each other. I've got a left footer and a right footer in there. Uh, one lad who is he's a particularly strong player, and then the other one on the left hand side who is more of a ball player. Which one you got? Whichever has to be the one you mentioned a minute ago. Surely, no. So no, so I'm gonna go no, with the left side. I'm gonna go with a left side player, and I am gonna go with this player has played for the same for two of the teams that I have played in, and you have had him on your show. Oh, I think you got him. Yeah, Andrew. Who he played. He he is a, I, I remember. I guess has he played for Everton as well? Well done. Yeah, is and he played for Tottenham as well. Yeah. Yeah. Vinny? Yeah. Yes. Well done. Vinny Samways. Good very, player. Uh, very, 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 I mean, if you were to go for a list of players you play with, a lot of fans wouldn't put Vinny straight in. So why have you put him straight in? I'm not saying you're wrong. Why have you put why have you put him in as a player? I mean, I I think what you've got to, you know, don't underestimate the fans whatsoever. But Vinny certainly at Spurs, uh, you know, a lot of supporters would call him Vinny sideways because he just kept the ball. Uh, and actually, if you put him in, in today's game, he would get far more praise than he did back in the 90s, without a shadow of a doubt. Plus, we were playing on sand, you know, beaches back in them days. I mean, White Hart Lane, there must have been 10 tonne of sand on the pitch, you know, so he wouldn't have had the, the luxury, certainly when you look at the the the, um, the bowling greens that the players play on these days, but he was just a superb footballer, unbelievable touch. I mean, his right foot was for standing on only, but his left foot was was like a wand. You know, short passes, long passes. Uh, he had a good engine, could put himself about. You know, he took some some really nice set plays. So you know, I'll put Vinny in there because. With, with the team I've got around him, you know, I need a Fred. I need someone who's going to thread that ball through yeah. um, and, and get the team playing. And, and I couldn't think of anybody better than Vinny to do that. No, I mean, like you said, I, mean, I agree with everything you've just said there, Scott. I mean, to to come through, I mean, we I mean, we played against each other in the youth and then obviously going into the, into the first team. But he broke into the first team at a club, a big club, Tottenham, back in the day as a youngster. I mean, which, I mean, it would be, 
I mean, it'd be classed as a wonder kid today. I mean, in this day, I mean, to be breaking out into the, into the team back then when he, he did at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if he was playing in today's game, um, I don't think there would be many teams that wouldn't actually put him in their team. When you certainly look at the way Pep Guardiola plays, he would have loved Vinny Samways. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably why Vinny was so successful in Spain. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, Vinny, who's next to Vinny? So, next to Vinny is another um, centre-forward turned midfielder, um, scored a cup final winning goal um, and went for over £4 million in transfer fees, which when you're looking at the, the early 90s was a, was a considerable amount of money. You said centre-forward, was he a centre-forward, you say? He started his career as a centre-forward. Yeah. You got it, Andrew? Was it you... has to be, doesn't it? Is it, is it was he at, um, did he start his career at Millwall? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Did, did he play for Forest? No. Ah, oh, I know who you're thinking of. No, no he's, he's not. No, know. he can't play okay. central midfield. No. What? He can play anywhere. No, I, I know that, but in this team, four million. <laughs> it's, it's Scott's team. Well, I don't know, so I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't... Manchester City. I've, did he play for... What else did he play for? Man City. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I know. Who, uh, who else did he play? Give me another club he played for. Um, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, didn't, see, I, and, I, and I would have thought that... Who did Mickey Hazard play for? No, he's not. He played for Tottenham, but I am. You're talking about... Putting that, isn't it? Paul Stewart. That's right. Well done, Mov. Yeah. Still, he's a... You know, he came to us as a centre-forward. Um, very quickly moved into midfield and forged that You know, the, the midfield made it his own. But, you know, again, mobile... Good in the air, really, really strong. And also, you need a little bit of toughness in your team. Um, and that's certainly what Stewie gave the um, that the Spurs team that, that, that I was part of. He just gave it that that toughness. He was the, um, I wouldn't call him a hard man, but he, he was the one that you looked for a little bit of protection if things were getting a bit, a bit rough. And obviously, what's gone on over the years and, and to see, you know, when I listen to him now, it's... It's really sad. No, definitely. Definitely. I know exactly. I know who you mean. I'm just, yeah. I'm having a bit of a mayor. I'm having a mayor today, fans and <laughs> listeners. I apologise. I wholeheartedly apologise, but I'll, I'll be back soon. So, strikers. We've got Vinny and Paul Stewart and Paul Walsh and Steve McManaman. Who are we got up from? This is really controversial because I've got two players who actually would probably never be out of play together. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but Marv knows me I like to be a little bit controversial at times so I've absolutely picked two goal scoring machines um, and, and I'm going to start off with probably the one that is, is most obvious um, and he is one of England's top three record goal scorers of all time can I have this one Miles so I can get one right yeah go on go on yes <laughs> Uh, Gary Lineker yeah absolutely well done well <laughs> yes. done um, I mean it's, it was funny because obviously Lynx was coming towards the, the back end of his career um, when I broke through at Spurs he'd been a legend at Everton and, and Barcelona and I remember a couple of times passing him the ball on the halfway line 
and uh, he just looked totally disinterested. And me as a you know nineteen year old lad, lad, effing and blinding at one of the most famous players at the time to play for England and since to play for England, clearly didn't go particularly down well. But what I will say is that I learned quite quickly that uh, you know don't give him any hospital passes outside the box. But if you give him one inside the box, it's a goal. <laughs> So, how many times? So, what was he like on the training ground? Was he was he um, obviously coming towards the end of his career? Um, with you, was he I guiding? Was he helpful, or was he? I don't actually remember him training much. I think he used to turn up to the training ground, go and have a bath, a bit of a massage, and then that was his uh, that was his day done. But he'd still turn up on a on a Saturday or a Sunday and get bag full of goals. Um, I think, to be fair, towards the back end of his Spurs career, he had that toe injury that um, haunted him a bit towards the back end of his career, which certainly when he went to Grand Passat in Japan. But, um, you know, even though he was he was probably, you know, in his 30s then, he was still extremely quick, you know, off the mark over five or ten yards. You know, and even in them days, I, I was fairly rapid, but I couldn't get anywhere near him over ten, over ten yards. He, he was just electric. And funny yeah. enough, you said about um, the train, you don't remember him training. I listened to... Um a lot of podcasts and he was on one and I can't think what it was, but he spoke about saying he wasn't a good trainer, didn't like training, didn't enjoy training. A lot of it was, didn't see too much point of it. Like if they were doing like team shape or whatever, he used to say that to the manager, can I just go have some balls and just like hit them into the, and give me a goalkeeper and let me hit in the net because that's my job. That's, that's what I mean. I've been all this, like, I don't, I've no interest whatsoever sort of thing to do this so he just wanted us to go and do hit the ball in the back of the net sort of thing so he's, he admits he wasn't a very good trainer because he didn't enjoy it yeah but again you know if we did do if he did train and we did any finishing exercises you know you could almost put a blindfold on him and yeah. he'd still get the same result he just trained himself to um, you know to, to score goals no definitely definitely so you don't think it had gone down well with this tracking back thing that everyone's criticising Ronaldo for at the moment, that type of thing? It's crazy, isn't it, that you wouldn't put somebody like Gary Lineker in your team because he <laughs> can't track back or hassle defenders. Um, well, that, that's kind of I what mean, they're doing with Ronaldo. And yeah, I'm not sticking up for the yeah. guy, but it, they're hanging him out to dry. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be plenty of teams that would want Ronaldo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at, at the to- at the top of their pitch for sure. And G- Gary Lineker was was no different. You'd need someone who's going to score a goal. Um, you know, you can have the defence, the best defensive attacker ever, but if they're not going to, going to score you any goals, what use are they? Yep, all you can do is draw nil-nil. You need somebody back of the net. Exactly. So who's the other, exactly. who's the other goal machine then? You put one goal. So the other goal machine. Yes, yeah, so the other goal machine. I played with this guy uh, again for around six or seven years. Um, he must be in the top three leading Premier League scorers of all time um, and certainly um, we played in our school cricket team together and he was a phenomenal cricketer as well as a, as a footballer I reckon Ooh. he started Millwall Marv yeah. no no mm-hmm. you're dying to get Teddy Sheeran in the team I'm sure you are but unfortunately <laughs> I never played with Teddy <laughs> I think I played in one pre-season game with him uh, uh, for Spurs against Portsmouth um, but uh, no, unfortunately, he, uh, he he's n- he's not made this eleven. Same? Did you say cricket team? You say we played in the same cr- school cricket team? Yeah. 
trying to think. I he, he could have done us. I'm trying to... So you, you came through the ranks for you at Tottenham? No. No. But you played with him for how long? Six years. Around about six years, yeah. Did he? Okay, did he? Did he play for Luton as well? No, I don't think he did. But what I will say is he okay. must be maybe in the top five of the Premier League's all-time leading goal scorers. He must be up there. Top five, okay. The only United player that would be up there, no, it's not going to be him. Did he also play for Newcastle? He did indeed. Well done, Andrew. Really? I could not, I don't know if I'd ever see Andy Cole with a cricket bat in his hand. Oh, mate, he was incredible. Was he? Yeah, batsman and bowler. Yeah, batsman wow. and bowler. In fact, I think that's a, that's a really... real good one, Scott. I like that one. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. That's a real good tri- trivia one now. His dad was very disappointed that he took up football and not cricket because he was a massive cricket man. Yeah. Well, he, he comes across really, really quiet. I mean, he's only just started doing a lot more media in the past. Well, I just see it over in, from Australia. He started to do a lot more media in the past three or four years. It's just the impression I'm getting. Um, he's a very, he's very been quietly quite... spoken, reserved character. Yeah, he's been quite poorly the last few years. Yeah, obviously, I went, I went to Liddyshaw with Coley. We both went to the school in '86 to to '88, and the first year shared a room. And obviously, I played for six years with the England youth set up with him. But um, absolutely phenomenal. Just, you know, talk about skill, pace. Um, I, the one thing that I thought might undo him was his attitude, but actually that became his biggest strength towards the end. You know, when he was playing for Newcastle or Manchester United, he just had that genuine belief that he was the best striker in the land. Um, and even though people like George Graham, etc., just didn't rate him, he it never knocked him. He had that such self belief that one day he, he was going to be the best striker out there, and it and it clearly came true. Mm. So were you at the Arsenal with him as well when you you said you were at the Arsenal for a small time before Tottenham? You must have been yeah, so, you're in the same age group. That's right. Yeah. So probably around um, under 14 level, you know, during the school holidays where, you know, the Arsenal would bus people in from here, there and everywhere. Um, you know, we played in a couple of, um, you know, youth games, but I didn't really start to get to know him until we actually landed at the school and, and spent um, two years there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like I think Mike Scott said um, that, that. I mean, I didn't like know him personally, but that, that's the impression you got from Andy Cole that he he was a massive believer in his own ability. Hence, to leave Arsenal to go was it to Bristol City? I think it was the Bristol City he went to. That's he right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, wasn't like a big club or anything, but he he knew or he believed that he would go and score goals and he would go on from that, and which he did. To go to Newcastle, Manchester United, and uh, Manchester City, even so, to have that belief to take that like huge step to drop down a division or two to go to Bristol was, was was massive belief in his own ability. Yeah, and, and he's probably the the worst uh, worst loser I've ever come across. I mean, I remember <laughs> when I was on on loan at Charlton, and and we played Bristol City, and, and I think we drew. And after the game, he gave me the biggest cuddle ever. And we stood talking for about 20 minutes. And then when we knocked Newcastle out of the cup, Marv, in um, 94 at Kenilworth Road, 
And I went up after the game to shake his hand and he just completely walked past me straight into the dressing room. <laughs> oh, that was, no, that was an amazing scene. That was, that, what, what was it like to be part of that team? I know we've spoken about it quite a bit on the, on the pod. What was it like to be part of that Luton team in that, and the squad in that time? Well, I mean, when we, we and Marv played, certainly when I played with Marv, the 93, 94 season, I, you know, there were a lot of young players, but, you know, there was, it was a real good balance, um, you know, of some older heads, the likes of, you know, Trevor P, Kerry Dixon and David Priest, God bless yeah. his, his heart, who was very close to, to getting in my team. I think had Vinny Samways, that Priestley would have gone in in there, you know, instead instead of Vinny. But, you know, and then there were some really good youngsters, you know, Johnny Hartson, Kerry Hughes. Um, you know, I think it was a real shame. I'd have loved to have stayed there for another season because I really could see that that team, um, you know, blossoming into something really good. But unfortunately, uh, you know, with most as with most clubs, you know, to, to make ends meet, you, you've got to sell your, your players. And obviously Johnny Hartson moved on. Kerry moved on, Scotty Oaks, and, and one or two others, um, and that's how clubs survive these days. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Um, just kind of one final question in terms of you're speaking a lot about a little bit. You're speaking quite philosophically about your career a, a little bit earlier on, um, and we're going to get onto your best manager you've ever worked under. Have you ever had a chance to go into coaching management? Is it something that really, really interests you to? to climb the ladder in that area and use the experience and use that, um, like you said, the kind of Gary Mabber giving you advice, but going, no, no, listen to me. Don't just take, don't just in one ear out the other. Yeah, I mean, I did. Um, obviously, I joined the police 20 years ago, um, but I've had a couple of spells as assistant manager at Olsey Town in the Southern League and as manager of St. Neots Town. Uh, as well, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a couple of years doing that, and, and actually, as, as manager of St. Neots, you know, we were at the bottom of the league about seven points adrift when I took over. And then the following season, we, you know, we were top of the league. But unfortunately, the, the you know, within policing, you move roles and then you can no longer be able to do it. Um, so that was a big regret of mine because after I left St. Neots, I think Stoke, Steve Lomax took over. And within about 18 months, he was either manager of Millwall, St. Johnston. So he made the jump into professional football. So that's you know, something I would have loved to have done. But I chose policing as, as my career. Um, and, and that's the path that, that I've, um, I've gone down. So football obviously had to take a, um, a, a back seat. Yeah, definitely. Something has to. Over to you, Marv. Yeah, so before we, uh, we, we get a little bit more about more the policing and what you're doing now. Just the last final question with the, the football side. Who is going to be the manager, the best manager or the best coach? It could be someone who inspired you coming up through as a youth team player. It doesn't have to be a manager. It could be anyone who you see as a role model to lead this eleven. And that's a tough one because I've played some great managers. I mean, I played for John Lyle at Ipswich, who was an absolute gentleman. Shrevesy gave me my opportunity at Spurs. And obviously, Pleaty, um, you know, what he doesn't know about football is not worth knowing. But the manager I'm going to opt for is Chris Nicholl, um, because Chris just saved my career. There's no two ways about it. You know, I, I was on a, a real downward spiral, uh, worked really hard to get to the, to the top playing at Spurs. 
um, had a few injuries, left Spurs, went to Luton, didn't have a particularly good season. And if things hadn't gone right for me when I left and went for Walsall, within a year I'd been completely out of the professional game. He stopped me doing this, you know, the, the, the nights out, the regular nights out I was having um, uh, and some of the stuff I was getting up to. He completely put a stop to, made me more professional. And, and I'm ever grateful for him because I think had I not have had Chris Nickel, then probably at the end of 95, I would no longer have been a professional footballer. So I'm very grateful for Chris. And Marv, you talk about um, Pleaty saying I was a bugger. Unfortunately, Chris has got dementia quite bad but I went up to a charity event last year and I was talking to his daughter and his daughter said that unfortunately dad can't really remember anything and I went over to Chris and shook his hand and he looked at me and he had a glint in his eye and he smiled and he said to me I remember you you were trouble (laughs) (laughs) so he does you know he he does still remember someone but yeah I was trouble but um, you know we, we had a successful team led by an unbelievably strong manager. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. You got them off. Yeah, so um, just for all those um, listeners, um, you've alluded to it a little bit about what, what, are you, what have you been doing? What are you doing now then, Scott? And, and what have you done since you've um, finished playing? Yes, I ran 2002. I was playing at Steve Nidge under Wayne Turner. I love Wayne to bits. He's always been, you know, a great lad from my time at Luton and then took me to Steve Nidge. But I just knew I'd come to the end of my career. I fell out of love with the game and, and it was time for a change. Um, and policing, um, you know, is something that gives you discipline and, and a career for, for a long time. And I just thought that I could give something back. And the honest truth was I wanted to make a difference. I'd underachieved in my football career without a shadow of a doubt, but I was given an ability that I never did anything with. But I, I thought deep down I could you know, become a, a successful police officer and really make a difference to the public and for the public. Uh, you know what? And I'm grateful to say in my 20 years in policing that I've done that. I've certainly had a better career in policing than I did in football. I wasn't the most gifted at school, uh, far from it, uh, when I attended. Um, But I've really dedicated myself as a police officer, really tough job, and I take my off to, you know, the 140,000 cops out there. It really is a tough job, but it can be rewarding. Um, And I've had 20 really good years in policing. No, I mean, again, I think it's fantastic that you've, um, you've, got into that role and, and if, if if I if anyone would have said to me oh look um try and guess Scott Houghton's um, profession now since he stopped playing I would ne- you would never have guessed it you would never have guessed it so that's a great testament to you that I mean how you've thought about it and gone down that route and stayed in this profession still in this profession for, for the last 20 years so congratulations yeah thanks Marv yeah, definitely. Well, it was so, so great to hear from you, Scott. Really, really appreciate um, you giving up time. Um, and that was Scott Houghton's My Best 11. 